Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hola y bienvenidos a la Juices Wild Daily Hustle. Soy Enrique Byrnes y... Presidente es mejor cerveza. No abate por no filter network. Miguelito San Dieguito, not with us today. But he does have an Athletes Empowered podcast. I'm pretty sure going on at some point today. So check that out. And Will the Thrill Clark, not with us this morning, but he will be back with us tomorrow, 6 p.m. Pacific time for the latest edition of Deuces Wild. On that note, let's properly salute our boys and each and every one of you on this Monday morning. Yes, 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 yes! Whew! Remember this, folks. When we are juiceful, we are useful. And when we are juiceless, we are fucking useless a very pleasant good morning to you on the 20 let's see that is the 26th day of february 2024 we are brought to you by bet online it continues to be our number one source for all of your basketball wagering needs including pro and college hoops Throughout the year with up to the minute odds, stats, trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting contests and all the best player props. Evidence, the world's best experience. Evidence. I promise you I do know how to read. Experience, the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or mobile device. Head to Bet online today to become part of the team. And remember to use the promo code BLEAV. Capital B L E A V for your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. The game starts here. We're also brought to you by KT Tape. Science on this is pretty simple. You put the tape on, it increases the blood flow to the area by lifting the skin. It decreases inflammation and typically will alleviate pain. KT tape deflaming muscles since its uh, creation. And then lastly here, but certainly not least, Verge. This is a combination of lemon, honey, ginger, and cannabis that's right it gives you this sustained natural call it a high call it whatever you want. i feel like i take one of these and go to bed i also feel like i take one of these and it just gets me in that right mood 
for the day, not to mention the fact it is very soothing on the throat. So go to triverge.com, ask for our guy, Jory, over there, and we salute him and you. It's fucking snowing outside, by the way. Just started. I am in the greater Lake Tahoe area, in case you're wondering. And we have what is supposed to be the biggest storm in four years coming this weekend. So the Let Them Play boys uh, have a tournament in Houston this weekend. So trying to figure out the travel plans of getting out of here. Originally, our flight uh, was scheduled for Friday. But at this point, I'm looking at it, I'm like, there's no way if the storm does produce the type of snow accumulations that we think it's going to. So on that note, I'm going to spend uh, much of the day here figuring out exactly our best options going forward as we track this monster. Now, this is not the monster. This is sort of the front end of the monster. And then tomorrow, it's supposed to be sunny. And Wednesday as well, with the storm moving in late Wednesday night, possibly Thursday. And then by Thursday afternoon, it should get cranking. And they're expecting anywhere, you ready for this, between four and eight fucking feet. This is not one of those ones that you want to play around with. 100-mile-per-hour winds coming uh, over the ridges. So uh, let's not forget, by the way. The Daily Hustle mugs. Go to ericburns.com, E-R-I-C-B-Y-R-N-E-S, if you want to get one of these beautiful bad boys right here. And while you're there, go ahead and pick yourself up. Ready? A flippy. That is a smiling double bird middle finger guy. And... As I've had to explain to my mom, this isn't saying fuck you to the world. It's really not. It actually is saying fuck you to the naysayers and the detractors in our world trying to prevent us from living and loving our life, from chasing our dreams. Yet at the same time with a smile on his face, it's letting people know that we don't take life too seriously. And no matter what it is, we're going to continue to charge through life, doing everything we can do, not only to empower ourselves individually, but to empower other people and to ultimately leave this world a better place than we found it. This is Flippy, and you can pick him up at ericburns.com, as well as with the Let Them Play, a parenting and coaching guide to youth sports. If you don't believe me, Believe, let's see here. How about Troy Gloss? He says, with a focus on learning through mistakes and experiences, a teach, don't preach approach is the LTP way, and it develops the skills and psyche of an elite athlete. So, this is uh, a must read according to USA baseball president John Gall for all travel baseball parents and coaches. I will take it a step further and say it's a must read for the players as well. You can get that on Amazon or just go to ericburns.com. And my wife has called me on the phone right now, and apparently she has no idea that I am live on the Daily Hustle because she never 
watches. Okay, a big show. I love coming on here on Mondays because so much happens over the weekend. We had the Cody Bellinger sign. We had a plethora of hockey fights that I do want to get into. Major League Baseball spring training is off and running. Did a couple alternative broadcasts for the games the first day of between it was, I think, Spencer Jones, the young prospect for the New York Yankees, hitting a mammoth 470-foot shot. Go to my Instagram or No Filters Instagram. I believe it's up on both of those. Uh, and then Colton Kowser got into the action right away for the Orioles. This is a guy that hit a buck 15 in the show last season, but he has over a 900 OPS. He could be a huge factor and determining the Orioles' success this year. Look out for the Yankees. The Yankees with Juan Soto scare me. And I think you guys need to remember that Soto is a game changer. The one problem with the Yankees has been health, and it's trying to keep these guys, you know, especially their big guys in the middle of the order, whether it's Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, uh, now Juan Soto, keeping these guys healthy. Anthony Rizzo dealt with that concussion you know, last year that I think really hurt them. But if the Yankees can stay healthy, this is a team that is going to give the Orioles a run for the money. Now that said, they're two very different teams, right? You have the older veteran Yankees, a team that's been there, a team that's done that. And then you have these young guns for the Baltimore Orioles led by Adley Rutschman. And you know, look, whether or not Jackson Holiday breaks with the team, I have no idea. I'm not keeping that guy in the minor leagues for much longer. I don't think he has anything to prove. When you fire through the system like that and you're hitting at that elite level. Now, will he be able to sustain the numbers that he did last year in the big leagues? Probably not. I mean, the kid's 20 years old. I will say this, though. He is a very experienced 20-year-old. He got married this offseason. He's growing up his entire life being around Major League Baseball. Obviously, he's the son of Matt Holiday, a former teammate of mine. The kid gets it. I, that's the that's the sense that I get. And with that being said, if this is your best option at shortstop, at second base, you immediately you make the move. You don't fuck around. You let him go through whatever struggles that he has to go through. So long as he's making the plays defensively, then I, you know, I, I just think this guy's going to hit. He is going to hit. He has a special ability to put a barrel of a bat on a baseball. Okay. So this one here caught my attention on Saturday night as I was hitting the pickleball against the wall for hours on end i had sports center on in the background and sure enough another court storming incident so this has been an issue for a number of years and they've talked about trying to ban court storming and i think it's banned i don't think anyone allows course storming there's only so much you can do when you have 5,000 10,000 students bum rush a floor to 
celebrate a victory. Now, you could put ropes up. You could have security guards. You could have police officers. You could try to do whatever you want. But at some point, it's up to the student. It's not up to the security even. I mean, it would take 150 officers, 200 officers to surround that area. And then it gets to the point where, is that even worth it? Taking that many resources that are public resources to dedicate them just to keep students off of a basketball floor after a game. Well, what happened here on Saturday, you had Duke at Wake Forest. They lose 83 to 79. And then afterwards, immediately, the students at Wake, which is obviously a very good academic institution. It's not like these are a bunch of hoodlums running around trying to just cause havoc, but they storm the court. Let me get into this article for a second. <sighs> this is what happened. Kyle Filipowski was injured after he got caught in a sea of Wake Forest fans as they stormed the court at the final buzzer. Now, per video of the incident, it says a fan appeared to collide with the projected All-American and draft lottery pick as he tried to leave the floor. Filipowski's teammates and Duke's staff members surrounded him, and they had to carry him off of the court. Have you seen the video? Has anybody really looked into the video? Because I did this morning. And if there was a way to flop during a court storming, Kyle Filipowski fucking did it. The students rush on. Filipowski's like, eh. He's the one who actually initiates contact with one of the students. And then he gets spun around, and it's just, I, I'd love to say chaos broke loose, but it wasn't really. They stormed the court. There was a little bump in, a little shoving, and then that was it. And it was like, oh, surround Kyle. Is he okay? Look, I don't even know what happened to him. I don't know what the final, whatever it was, I don't know if he sprained a pinky or what the deal was. But if you were to ask me from my completely objective position here at No Filter Network and watching as not a Wake fan and not a Duke fan, that 1,000% was bullshit. He fucking flopped. He legitimately went ahead and played this thing up. Now, huh, do I still feel that they should ban court throwing? Yeah, I don't know. I guess so. I, I don't really care. It's not that big of a deal to me. They go over some of the incidences that have occurred with the court storming. And 
They you know talked about a few other times. I guess let's see here. Let's go over them right now. The conversation about court storming is not new. In 2015, Bill Self got trapped in the rush to the court by Kansas State fans after Kansas lost to its in-state rival. In the same court storming, former KU forward Jamari Trailer got bumped. Got bumped? Who gives a fuck? He got bumped. Did I get bumped walking around at the ball? No one's coming up with laws to prevent going to the ball. Sometimes he gets to get bumped. Huh. In 2018, West Virginia's Wesley Harris threw a punch at a Texas Tech fan who'd participated in a court storm. Okay. This is the basketball player's fault. He's the one throwing the punch. This isn't on the students. This isn't about the court storm. It's about a, one of the players having hurt feelings because they lost the fucking game, and he decided to take it out of a fan because he happened to be on the floor. Then two years ago, Boise State fans were tackled and pushed by security guards as they tried to storm the floor after their team sealed the Mountain West Championship. If you guys remember, I saw a video of that, and I thought it was one of the most disturbing things I've ever fucking seen. Let the kids go. I mean, they literally made it look like they were trying to climb the wall into fucking North Korea. It was awful. So, I get it. In a perfect world, would the students all perfectly behave and no one storming courts? Sure. But that's not the case. College students, frontal lobes, aren't completely developed yet. So, they have this attitude of impulsive reaction. And that includes, whether we like it or not, storming courts. Okay, so right here, it says, what will it take to see resolutions in addressing court storming? What could those solutions look like? It's important to note that schools and conferences are working to stop the court storm. The SEC fine for court storming one time is $100,000. For the second offense, it's $250,000. For the third, $500,000. The fines are paid directly to the school that is rushed upon per an SEC official. Now, Duke and Wake Forest are not in the SEC. They're in the ACC. And those schools do not have a fine structure or disciplinary measures in place for when fans rush the court. According to information provided by ESPN, each school manages its own events. There are some conference requirements for keeping officials and visiting teams safe and helping them off the floor. It makes sense. At a minimum, schools should be fined a significant amount if they fail to protect the visiting team before their fans rush the court. And college basketball rules have to adjust to that reality. Okay, so let's just say the ACC had those fines in place, the same ones that the SEC did. And let's say this was Wake Forest's third time storming the court. 
As a matter of fact, if I were Duke University and I'm playing on the road in a big game, there's a chance that I would consider getting a bunch of our own students to go ahead and rush the floor after a Wake Forest victory for the simple sake of five hundred fucking thousand dollars? Are you kidding me? To be paid directly to Duke? We know this shit goes on. It happens everywhere. It happens in politics all the time, where they try to stir it all up, and you actually have. I mean, I don't even get into the details. I would say as far away as possible, but I don't care what side of the aisle you've been on. They put together these protests for the other side. Like it's, this has been going and going and going. So think about that though. If you're Duke and you're telling me you're going to storm the court for 500 grand and that's coming directly to me from Wake Forest, I'll take that. Hey, even if it costs my star player a few games, I don't give a shit. You got to think about logistics here. And because I just read you what is supposed to be the worst of the worst that has happened. And it's a guy getting shoved, one student getting punched, and a coach getting trapped. The worst thing by far, in a way, was that bullshit that happened at Boise State when the security guards started tackling the students. That was awful. Fucking terrible. So, as we all sit here, on our high horse and be like, oh, I can't believe this poor guy got hurt. Number one, he fucking flopped. Number two, go back and look at the history of what these things have actually produced and how dangerous they've actually been. It's probably more dangerous just letting all these students out onto the streets right after and fights or whatever. Like, yeah, that's my, that's my opinion on this. I mean, look, I don't want to sound like a barbaric animal. I'm not trying to. I, I, I really, I like to think of a civilized human being. But if these college students want to rush the court, have simple protocols to try to get the visiting team out of the way as quickly as possible, and that's it. I mean, the home team, they're just as susceptible as the students are running onto the floor. And if you notice, sure, there's that big rush when they originally come onto the floor, but then just seconds after, like 15 seconds, once the floor is full, it's like a fucking traffic jam. No one can go anywhere. So it's not that big of a deal. Yet, because big dude gets hurt, and he's got to get carried off and plays it up, it is just straight mayhem happening all over the college basketball world. All right, back to baseball. Cody Bellinger has finally signed with the Chicago Cubs. Bellinger coming off of a very nice year in which he was with the Cubs after getting released by the Dodgers the year before is back with him. I 
said on the previous Daily Hustle that I would expect all of these guys, all Boris clients, top free agents, to sign in the very near future, especially the position players, because they need their at-bats. It's as simple as that to be prepared and ready to go to spring training. Now, the issue, and I knew this was holding up the whole time, was the terms of the contract. When I say terms, like how long the contract was going to be for. I imagine Boris was looking for something in the range of five years. The Cubs did not budge. They gave Bellinger a three-year deal. The average annual value of that contract is well up over $25 million. So he's getting paid what he deserves. And with Bellinger, and this is why it's such a great sign by the Cubs, the cool thing is, is that if he, for whatever reason, goes flying off the cuckoo clock, uh, they have they have an out. And so they're able to walk away from this after three years. Now, Bellinger, and this is also a great clause here put in by Scott Boris, he has an opt-out after year one. He has an opt-out after year two. So if he goes and puts up 40 and plays terrific defense and does what he's capable of doing, he very easily could test the market out again and be a free agent. I actually love it for both parties because Bellinger is that talented of a player where he could easily win the National League Most Valuable Player Award as he has in the past. Yet, at the same time, he's also had some up-and-down seasons. So if you're the Cubs, this protects you from if, for whatever reason, he gets hurt or he goes into some sort of collapse offensively. His swing's very timing-oriented. So if, he, if his timing's off at all, he's obviously proven to have gotten in trouble before. But... I believe in Cody, have believed in him since he was 11 years old, sizing me up at my house and doing backflips into my pool. This is, uh, this is a special kid, a special talent, great family. I think the Cubs win on this deal. I think Cody Bellinger wins on this deal. So Ken Rosenthal of the athletic good friend of the program, got to get him on no filter. He's been on here uh, once before. But he says how Cody Bellinger's deal could impact Scott Boris's other top freezing clients. This can't be what Scott Boris wanted. And now that the first of the Boris four, Cody Bellinger, has reached agreement on a lesser contract than expected, it might only embolden the teams pursuing Boris's other top free agent clients to hold the line. The opt-outs in Bellinger's reported three-year $80 million free agent agreement with the Chicago Cubs give him the chance to return to the open market next offseason, perhaps he will land a deal closer to what some projected for him six years, $162 million by the Athletics' Tim Britton, 12 years, $264 million by MLBTradeRumors.com. Look, those numbers are ridiculous. He wasn't ever going to get fucking 12 years. There's, there was no chance. I, what makes you think he was going to get 12 years? I mean, he... If you look at his career projects, like he's been up and down. No one's going to give him a 12-year contract. 
the kid's not 23 either. So uh, that would not make any sense at all. The six and 160. How does, uh, yeah, they were saying mid 100s, but I never saw this AAV going north of 30. I never believed that that was going to be the case. I mean, there's very few players in the game of baseball that have an average annual value of over $30 million. And those are the best of the best. Is Cody Bellinger the best of the best? No, he can be. He has the potential to be, but he's not. Like, he's not Mike Trout. So, knowing this, I thought they landed exactly where they should have landed. In that 25 to $30 million range on average annual value. And, again, I support the shorter-term contract. It is a... Great play for Bellinger if he goes off. And it's a great play for the Cubs if he doesn't. So hopefully, he goes off for Bellinger's skate. He goes off. He opts for free agency next year and then signs a bigger deal with the Cubs. And I think the Cubs would be more willing to give him more money at that point. More than anything, if you're a team and one of these big market teams, that's why the Yankees, they're very, very, very rarely... Do they hand out long-term contracts? They're not interested in doing that because they want to pay for performance. If you're performing, they're willing to pay. That's it. Okay. Carlos Correa followed such a path opting out of his initial three-year $105 million contract with the Minnesota Twins to land a six-year $200 million deal. He would have done even better, too, if the Giants and the Mets had not cited issues with his physical to back out of three hundred. million plus million-dollar deals. Other Boris clients, Adrian Beltre, Dallas Keuchel, and Mike Moustakis also took lesser contracts initially, then made up most of the difference later. But to get such a deal, Bellinger will need to prove himself again, and he thought he had done that last season, finishing 10th in the National League MVP voting and winning the NL Comeback Player of the Year. His average annual value is 26.67, and it ranks 37th all-time, just below Freddie Freeman, and Carlos Rendon, both of whom are at $27 million. But Bellinger is entering his age 28 season just as another Boris client, Corey Seager, was when he landed a 10-year, $325 million deal with the Rangers two off-seasons ago. Seager was a shortstop, helping his value. He also had been the 2016 NL Rookie of the Year and 2020 World Series MVP. On the other hand, he was coming off a season which he played only 95 games because he fractured his right hand. His previous team, the Los Angeles Dodgers, questioned whether he could stay at shortstop. Others wondered about his long-term durability. Bellinger, a center fielder and first baseman, was a 2017 NL Rookie of the Year in 2019. MVP, he produced a much better platform season than Seager, at least on the surface. But his 307 batting average, 26 home runs, and 881 OPS were built on an average exit velocity that exceeded only one out of five major leaguers. Interesting. Teams were not convinced that Bellinger's bounce back was sustainable, that he was fully overcome with the struggles of his injury-marred 2021 and 2022 season. Part of Bellinger's problem was that he entered a surprisingly tepid market. His options were limited in part by reduced spending of high payroll clubs, such as the Mets and the Padres and uncertainty a number of teams faced in their future local television revenue. So often, 
Boris has identified and exploited at least one team that was ready to spend. Other than the Dodgers, who opted for non-Boris alternatives, no such team emerged this offseason. Rival agents and some club officials will question whether Boris overplayed his hand, not just with Bellinger, but also with other members of the Boris Four. Left-hander Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery and third baseman Matt Chapman. Boris's initial expectation for Bellinger are not known, but it's reasonable to ask. What if he aimed lower? Could he have secured four years at $120 million, five years at $145, an even longer deal with a lower AAV? Now that Bellinger's terms are public, it would not be surprising for Snell, Montgomery, and Chapman to sell for similar bridge contracts. San Francisco Giants president of baseball operations, Farhan Zaidi, whose team could use one of the pitchers as well as Chapman, does not figure to budge in this stare down with Boris. Other clubs could be less likely to relent. Boris can blame the regression in the market, lament the clubs and financial retreat, and point to flexibility Bellinger retains over its future. Bellinger to be sure, will be fine. Two years ago, the Dodgers non-tendered him. Boris, since, has banked $97.5 million in guaranteed money, bringing his career earnings to $150 fucking million. Wow. And Bellinger still stands a chance of getting a monster deal for him after this, after this season or next. Fair enough, this game isn't over. But if you told Cubs president of baseball operations, Jed Hoyer, at the start of the offseason, he would sign Bellinger for three years and $80 million. How do you think he would have reacted with a smile wider than Lake Michigan? The smile he is wearing today. That's a good point. It is. Great article by Ken Rosenthal, who I respect as much, if not more, than any other writer in baseball. The, the issue is, is the timing of all this. And that's where I become concerned for Matt Chapman because teams have other options. They do. And they're trying to figure out their options. The difference is this. If you're a team that expects to contend like the giants, or you're a team that doesn't think it's possible. Now what's good is that in this wild card era, you got to believe that you have the potential to be one of the 12 best baseball teams, right? I mean, we're almost going to half the fucking league. So in that case, I got to believe there's a, a spot for a Matt Chapman, you know, out there, right? There's at least 20 clubs this year that think they could potentially make a run at this thing. Now, if you're Matt Chapman and you're sitting on the sidelines right now, you got to be thinking to yourself, holy shit, man. What do I have to do? I'm a platinum glove award winner. I, I consistently, he's a, he's a 700 OPS guy. He's a mid 700 OPS guy. It's what he is. That's not bad. That's not your slugging third baseman, but his defense makes up for it so much. Now, again, when it comes to the pitchers, Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery, I think they could pick their spots. And as long as they're thrown on the side, everything is fine and 
dandy. Okay, taking a look at a couple of these hockey fights that went down over the weekend. I, I mean, it was fascinating to watch. So Giuseppe Pepe Manuelli sent me one today right before we came on air. And I think I could go back and do an alternative broadcast call to this thing. But it was a fight between, what is it, Matthew Olivier? I, 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 I don't even know how to pronounce these names. I mean, shit. But the dude that keeps getting in these fights is Matt Rempe from the New York Rangers. He's an enforcer. He's six fucking seven. And he's was in his fourth NHL game, yet this guy's throwing down now multiple times. And then he got absolutely pummeled. There was one that was fantastic where it was one of the best hockey fights I ever seen. They were on their feet for, I don't know, it seemed like two minutes just wailing away at each other. And by the way, he had, he didn't have his helmet on, and I don't know if he takes it off or how exactly that works, but the other guy did. So the other guy, I, I mean, basically the, the one that pummeled him, had his helmet on almost the entire time. And both of these fights that he's got into, they start the pregame. It's fucking weird, man. So look at this. They're stretching next to each other. And then all of a sudden, like they're in the middle of a hockey play. And they just throw their gloves down. And they start. I don't need a quick tip here. And they start wailing on one another. I, it's a beautiful sport. I think they should have it for baseball, too. I really do. If you think about it, it would prevent dudes throwing at dudes' heads. It's a lot safer. Would you rather have a fist coming at you from point blank range or a 100-mile-per-hour fastball heading at your dome? So, huh, anyhow. All right. Um. I just got a message here, by the way, from Carrie Oswald, who's Scott Oswald's uh, wife. Scott and I played together at St. Francis. One of my best friends there. There's a group of like six, seven of us that we spent all our time together. Scott got brain cancer, and I, it's been going on for I don't know, probably about six months now, and he's on hospice, and it's. I mean, just today is a day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. I did what a what a shock I think to you know our world, and more than anything, it just I think it's a reminder to make sure we enjoy each and every single day. You know, he's forty seven years old and you know two kids and. Just uh, just heartbreaking. It's been cool to see how everyone's rallied around him. I was just in the cage uh, with his son, uh, Grady, 
couple months ago, give him batting tips. He was playing an attorney in Reno. So Scott came when he was still doing well when it, when I saw him, but things that turned in a hurry and I've tried to send some encouraging messages along the way and do everything I can. But, you know, sometimes when it's our time, it's our time. And I uh, just take this quick moment to say, I love him and, and get to miss him and send him a video message. I said, look, so we're all going to a better place and he might get there beforehand, you know, know that he lived a, a great life. And uh, I'm not the only one that deals has dealt with this. I know it's, we all, we all, you live long enough. You're going to deal with tragedy and heartbreak and loss. And talked to my mom last night. She's 81, 82 years old. And she was saying that she had a, a friend of hers who just, just passed. And she's like, yeah, she's like, the one thing that sucks about getting old is you lose your friends along the way. And more than anything, I think that having to go through that is a simple reminder to, to live our fucking lives and don't ever take a single day that we have here on earth for, for granted. Scott was one of the fiercest competitors, fiercest competitors I ever lined up, ever lined up with just a uh, badass fucking cornerback, great basketball player, great athlete hit like a motherfucker. Damn. He could pack a punch. So great carpenter, good man has lived out in Lake Almanor here a couple hours away, just kind of his secluded life. Then we get together for our once a year high school boys trip and it's the same old Ozzy. So I'd uh, please just keep him in a, his family and thoughts and prayers. And I know it's kind of took a turn here the daily hustle, but uh, you know, Carrie and to the rest of the Aussie family, we, we love you. And to Scotty, just, you're going to a, you're going to a better place. So anyhow, on that note, let's get into a little James Allen and we'll call it a day. Be back on tomorrow with the daily hustle. And then we have deuces wild tomorrow night with will the throw. I love when thrill misses a week and then he comes back. And afterwards, he uh, he just can't. I, I he can't wait to get rolling. So I don't know if he stockpiles things that he wants to react to or what. But he hit me up yesterday. He's like, "Yo, ready to rock on Tuesday? Schedule the show." I'm like, "Dude, I got you." So anyhow, all right, James Allen, good thoughts and actions can never produce bad results. Bad thoughts and actions can never produce good results. This is but saying that nothing can come from corn but corn. Nothing from nettles but nettles. Men understand this law in the natural world and work with it. But few understand it in the mental and moral world. Though its operation there is just as simple and undeviating. And they, therefore, do not cooperate. Suffering is always the effect of wrong thought in some direction. It is an indication that the individual is out of harmony with himself, with the law of being. The sole and supreme use of suffering is to purify, to burn out all that is useless and impure. Suffering ceases for him who is pure. 
There could be no object in burning gold after the dross has been removed, and a perfectly pure and enlightened being could not suffer. The circumstances which a man encounters with suffering are the result of his own mental inharmony. The circumstances which a man encounters with blessedness are a result of his own mental harmony. Bottom line, think good thoughts, as our guy James Allen continues to remind us on a daily basis. All right. Um, by the way, if you're watching on, let's see here. You're watching on Apple, Spotify, or listen, if you leave a review, greatly appreciate it. Uh, if you're feeling generous, five stars would be very nice. If you're watching on Caffeine TV, thank you very much. Fubo, thank you very much. And if you guys ever want to watch live, you can watch and interact at No Filter. Dot net Monday through Friday for the Daily Hustle, as well as that Tuesday Deuces Wild show that we do with Will the Thrill. So check it out there. All right. See you back here manana. See ya. Before Shopify, were you wondering where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.